previously on Popping Collars. Or if it wasn't imagined at all, like I think that films, I would imagine, like I'm not a filmmaker, obviously, but I would imagine that films are a lot like sermons, that when you're done preaching and someone comes up to you and is like, oh, when you said this one thing, it was perfect, it was totally perfect, it, it was like you were speaking to me. And you, what I, what you meant was the, and you know, I walk away from an exchange like that thinking like, damn, that was a good sermon. I had no idea that I was going to hear him. <laughs> like not a clue. Welcome to Pop and Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and pop culture. My name is Betsy Gonzalez, and I serve as the head chaplain at Episcopal High School in Alexandria, Virginia. With me is Greg Knight. Greg, where are you? What are you up to? Uh, hi, Betsy. I'm glad to be back on Pop and Collars. It's my favorite <laughs> version of the show. Is it? Uh, when you're host, yes. And uh, I am in Palm Beach, Florida. Three words, everybody. Vacation, Bible, school this week. Three, three little words that seem totally harmless until you add up, <laughs> add it all up together. And it just, it, it uh, looks like insurmountable work for the rest of the week. So that's where I am. All right. Also here is Lizzie and Liz, where are you? What are you up to? Hey, Betsy. I am in Omaha, Nebraska, where I am the canon to the ordinary for the Diocese of Nebraska. And right now I'm thinking about General Convention. Mm. What is General Convention? Can you explain that to our listeners? Because we've reffed it before, but I don't know whether we've really... Well, General Convention is a once every three years gathering of um, the whole Episcopal Church. Mm -hmm. And it lasts for 16 years. (laughs) I mean, 12 days... Yeah. Maybe it's I don't know how many days it is. I know that I'm basically moving to Austin, Texas for 13 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that it's a lot of work, but would you say it's more work than vacation? <laughs> Absolutely, Greg. <laughs> no, this is this is not a pain off. We're not going to compete. Yeah, it's a different kind of work. It's different. Yeah, it's just different. There will be some days at general convention I would rather be dealing with your four year old. Okay, <laughs> some days that'll feel a lot like vacation Bible school. Also. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and our guest for this evening, um, which who is a returner to the pod, a friend of the pod, who I'm also excited to be seeing in Austin, and it is Michelle Meach. Michelle, where are you? What are you up to? I'm in my living room in Kingston, New York, (laughs) and uh, I am the uh, I'm still the rector of St. John's Episcopal Church here in Kingston. Um, I've been here for a little over two years now, and I too am thinking about general convention because. Mm. Um, someone asked me to run for alternate deputy and I said, yes. And lo and behold, here I go. Yay. Well, friends, this is our 86th episode and today's topic is drenched in day glow. (laughs) (laughs) Amounts of hairspray and sure to slam you to the mat. It is none other than the nominated Netflix series glow, which is returning on June 29th for an anticipated second season. Glow tells the fictionalized story behind the real-life origins and struggles of Glow, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, a four-season, mid-'80s, all-women's wrestling television show that I remember 
from when I was a young girl during the high time of televised wrestling. And I'm sure Greg may disagree with me on that, that wrestling's never gone out of fashion. (laughs) That was when there were all the action figures and the animated Saturday morning show, you know, all that kind of stuff. The Netflix show is not a biography. There are some parallels and a lot of similarities, but you can't really draw a straight line that says Alison Bree's character, Ruth, is this real person over here. But what is making Glow so interesting is that it's this retro storytelling that's being rolled out in our current cultural climate, particularly around issues of gender, race, Me Too, um, Islamophobia, all of that. So I'll start with a, with a fun softball question because the, the women on this show are amazing. And I want to ask, who is your favorite character, perhaps slash wrestler on the show? Let's start with you, Michelle. There's so many great ones. I mean, I, I, I love the She-Wolf just because how could you not? But I think I'm mostly, even though she's really annoying, like right away you're annoyed by this person. Um, Ruth is the most intriguing character to me because she's just such a, she's such a broken hero, heroine. That's what intrigues me the most, I think, about her. Liz, what about you? I think that um, it's hard to even talk about these characters without being racist. But I think that my favorite is um, Carmen Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. Um, partly because she, you know, she she comes at it honestly, like it's the family business. And she's watched her brothers and her father make their lives in this industry with no way in for her so whereas like for ruth this glow thing was like a last chance at acting for um carmen it was the first chance at the thing that she's always wanted to do and kind of her heart's desire and she's also such a sincere kind of lovely person you get all these different visions of success liz like you were kind of pushing on like Mm -hmm. Ruth's chance, you know, but Debbie has been successful. Mm -hmm. She's been on a soap opera, you know, and somewhere along the way, somebody has really, you know, she's gotten the message that that could be the top of what she is. Right. So much so that it's like, well, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to get married. I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to have this whole other thing. Right. Uh, But that she's the big star who's made the choice to kind of come over. And while you're trying to kind of act and be outwardly, professional in, in, in her job, you know, her backstory, her life is just a mess. You're right. The supporting cast, you know, Melrose is just all this, all the hot mess 80s stuff that you love. Oh, oh, Beirut, the mad bomber. Like you're right. You can't talk Mm -hmm. this without stepping in it, which I think is such a wonderful, weird part of the show. But I, I, I will say this. Um, the thing that really differentiates wrestling now from wrestling then is that, yes, in the 1980s, it was very broad. You know, it was the story that drove you paying for pay-per-views and watching matches. Whereas now, I would say that the distinction is that it's the athleticism of the athletes. They're gymnasts, basically, mm-hmm. uh, flipping and flying all around the ring. And that's what sells the matches is you're going to see uh, a gymnast do something incredibly athletic. 
um, over the course of this match. And that's that's what they tend to use. So it's not the story that sells matches anymore. It's the athleticism of the wrestlers that sells matches now. Oh, re- just related to that really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I watched the um, Andre the Giant documentary on HBO, mm-hmm. which was incredibly moving. Like, it's a, it's a really good documentary just on its own. But there's one point where Hulk Hogan he has to negotiate like how to wrestle Andre the giant without injuring him. He's already very injured. He says something like, you know, none we're entertainers. None of us is an athlete here. And it it was a peek behind the veil of wrestling at that time that they really saw themselves as like actors and um, showmen and, you know, putting on a big play for people. And there were, athletic components to it, but not like what you're describing now, Greg. And probably in part because they weren't athletes, there was this incredible risk of injury, of devastating injury mm-hmm. by all of that repetition. Well, and that's what I appreciate because glow, it's almost kind of like it folds in on itself. Like it's origami, right? Cause it's a show within a show mm-hmm. within a show so that you've got, women and men who are actual actors who they do all their own stunts on this show, right? They have a coach who's coached them. I think we see on screen the intimacy that comes from a cast. Like I was watching an interview with Alison Brie. She's like, it's amazing how well a cast can get to know each other so quickly when you're having to be told, okay, so I need you to put your head in her crotch (laughs) over because but you're not even sure what her last name is like like so just having to be actually physical physical with each other yeah. has, has transformed this group of actors together i mean when i watched the series the first time i didn't know that it was a real thing i i just watched the series and thought oh this is a funny series right and it's got a lot of elements that i appreciate you know feminist approach to understanding things it was only after I watched the series that I realized that there was this documentary and I thought, well, what's this about? And then I started watching the documentary and I realized, wow, this was actually a thing. Like this was real. And so that was the biggest thing that I took away from it. But the second thing that I took away from it was they became so close as a group of people. They, they deeply cared about each other um, as they, as they, formed this troupe together um, to the point that at the end of the documentary, not that I want to give anything away, but at the end of the documentary, the reason that they come together, well, I think that's talked about at the beginning of, of it, but the reason they come together is because they care about this, this one wrestler so deeply that they wanted to come together to honor her. It's like and, a league of their own. That's what it reminded yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that documentary as well because I was right in the wheelhouse of loving that stuff when Glow came out. I think I was like ten, uh, so like it was like <laughs> a perfect time for uh, for Glow to come on my local UHF channel. Did you watch uh, it? Watch it? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> my Saturday nights were Hee Haw, Roller Derby. Glow and then like mid Atlantic wrestling, like that was. <laughs> wow. that was and here you are, VBS. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Um, wrestling theme B- VBS. But I will say, as a fan of Glow when it was out, uh, Fiji is the wrestler that everybody loves, you know, that, that, um, and actually, like when you think back on Glow, that's the name that mostly you remember. And it's funny because 
you know, the thing about wrestling is that if you have an attraction, right. And the thing about Fiji was that she was this, uh, she was, she was the largest woman in, in the uh, promotion. So she served kind of like that Andre, the giant role that you were talking about. So She's Um, kind of parallel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's like the attraction that you would come to see. But then she she did it with such joy and such honesty, right? Like the thing about Andre was that you were scared of him. The thing about Fiji was that she was wonderful. And you just wanted to you just wanted to see her, you know, be good, like be the decent person in this promotion. And and that really came across in that documentary. Like there are different ways to kind of attract people to the screens. And you can be like the dastardly hill and sell tickets that way. You can also be like the wholesome of the wholesome and you will still sell tickets. And that's what Fiji kind of proved in that documentary, which I thought was great. I think that for women like obviously this is a real thing, but it's almost like a perfect metaphor that women often only have certain roles that they're allowed to play. And um, that's certainly true. I have found that to be true in ministry um, and that part of growing into a mature pastoral identity is learning how to be ever more yourself the whole series starts out with Ruth at a reading, you know, a casting call and she's reading, doing this really dramatic interpretation of a part. And when she's done with tears in her eyes, she goes, thank you. They just don't have, there are just no roles like this for women. It's so exciting. And the casting director says, you're actually reading the man's part. (laughs) The part we brought you here is the secretary who knocks on the door and just says, there's a call online too. And then it's revealed later that she did that on purpose. Yeah. So that to me is like a perfect example of this is like, there are no roles like that for women. So I'm going to, I'm going to make it, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take what you give me and I'm going to make it a very different thing. Well, and that we're all fumbling around the dark. Yes. Like coming to terms with this, I think institutionally for our different communities and all these kinds of ways that it's a mess. I mean, this show is life is a mess, right? Mm-hmm. and that you'll you'll step out and you'll make that decision and let's move in this direction. And then somebody's going to be like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. That's totally offensive to me. Like, what are you doing? Like, how is that going to work? You know, the um, we talked about general convention at the top of the show. There's going to be a, you know, a me too is going to be permeating. I think not only our time there, but specifically a specific time for an event set up. And I don't know whether that event, on the fourth is going to be everything that people might want it to be. I don't know, but it's something. One of the problems in our church is, um, and this is not a not you know an original insight, is that when, just when you look at social media broadly, something will happen in the news, whether it is related to sexism or racism, and you've got clergy across the church saying. Um, you know, condemning that thing and your priest better preach about that on Sunday morning or they should, you should leave. And it's all of this stuff. And what we never do is point inside to the institution at our own misogyny and racism. Mm -hmm. Our church is racist and misogynistic too. And just like any institution in the world and particularly in the United States of America is right now. And that's to me, the powerful thing about general convention, having this space set aside is that we're claiming and naming as hurtful as it is. This is our stuff too. Like we're not, 
we need to look at our own house. And the truth is that it's not going to be perfect. And for that, I just hope that everybody can have some measure of grace with themselves and with each other. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I just got finished with a preaching, a, a preaching intensive at VTS um, in Virginia. And, and it was very much about that, that exact thing. It's, it wasn't, it wasn't about the task of preaching. It was about the person of the preacher mm-hmm. and developing the person of the preacher to, you know, in one of the, one of the teacher's words, he said, you have to live your preaching. You have to, you can't just get up there on Sundays and preach um, but you have to almost always be ready to preach, almost always be in the act of preaching um, so that the words become what's coming out of you is such an authentic part of you that it's that people really will believe what you're trying to tell them. That challenges me because I like to craft a sermon with words in a particular way. But what I'm starting to discover is that it's what you're saying is that if I'm not, if I'm not preaching all the time, in other words, if we're not living into the truth as a church all the time, then we're just up there saying words, mm-hmm. you know, if we're not living into this in a really real way, if we're not facing up to this, if we're not being as transparent as we possibly can, knowing that we will fall sometimes because we're human, then we're just, we're just up there saying words. I think, Liz, when you said that, you know, the thing I preach is the thing I preach for me. Like mm-hmm. that matches that they do often are the matches that they need to do for themselves. And it's mm-hmm. not just about winning or losing. It's about telling a story and telling a good yeah. story. Mm-hmm. People. Yeah. Who- because if you, t- because if you're, if you're confessional, if it's you, audiences know that like people, mm-hmm. people watching know that they, they see that. And, and that's what's, that's, what's going to, bring people in and make people curious. I love the opportunities when I'm able to get in front of my youth and say, you know what? I messed that up. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. guys. I'm sorry. I screwed it up. Mm -hmm. Well, and in some cases, in a lot of cases, I think it's literally a voice, like a sound that you make. And I noticed this with young clergy a lot is that um, stained glass voice that is totally an affect. I have no idea where it comes from. Can you give me yours right now, Liz? I, ha- I totally have one, and it's and it's like the slam poetry voice. I absolutely have one, and and that's because I, you know, my undergraduate degree was in creative writing, so I was oh, doing no. poetry readings every weekend. Oh, it's been hard to unlearn. I totally have that, so I'm not, you know, I'm not exempt from. Where it. can we watch your most recently streamed sermon, Liz? <laughs> so that our audience might witness. Yeah. <laughs> We don't have clam poetry. (laughs) So So I totally do it. But you notice that as priests are developing more um, confidence in their own identity as a leader in their congregation, that starts to, you know, melt away a little bit. And what you start hearing is the same person you hear at coffee hour. It made it really apparent to me when Beirut, right, when she was, when they were in front of the audience for the first time, and Beirut whispered to her opponent um, afterwards. I think she was battling Britannica, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, they really hated me. I mean, that was when they, like, threw a can at her. Yeah. Like, yeah. she was almost not prepared for the hate that was going to come at her. 
And Britannica had to stop her and say, well, that's good, right? And it reminds me of the preaching part, right? Like there's sometimes where we just have to say the thing, we have to call it out and we have to be willing to take the the response for that. And it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be something that we know that we're going to get accolades for, but there's still something that we have to say. And so how do, how do we, you know, embody that, that vulnerability? The thing about wrestling, um, and uh, this is like a, an old, old timer thing. I don't think they do this anymore, but what wrestlers used to have this thing called the wrestler handshake. And uh, what it meant was that when you went to shake, if you were a wrestler and you went to shake another wrestler's hand, you would shake it as softly as possible. So you wouldn't do like the firm masculine, like squeeze the hand grip. You would be as soft as possible. Like you would almost like, like a dead fish kind of handshake. And what that signaled to the other wrestler is that if you were ever in a match together, you would take care of him. Mm. You wouldn't Uh, injure him. You wouldn't hurt him. You would take care of him. And like, I think that there's something to that. I think that there's, you know, just being in that vulnerability, being in that vulnerable place and knowing that you have other people in that vulnerable place with you, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to say what the gospel is leading you to say but you also want everybody to be okay at the end of it all. You know, well, so. and that pre that wrestler's handshake preaches because like, I, I was just going to say it. that. Yeah. <laughs> because it's an agreement. Right. The next sermon is written. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> a handshake is an agreement. It's a kind of covenant. And when we're in Christian community with other people that whatever role we're playing in that community, we're making an agreement that we will care for one another. Can yeah. we, can we, agree at general convention it's only soft handshakes like i will i will soft handshake <laughs> i will say as a woman one of the ways when we have to play around you know you do the handshake like i don't i don't do no weak handshake like no, I don't get no. i've been accused of hurting people in my hands <laughs> wow i'm Liz. like a little person and i think that it just came I don't know where that came from. Well, I think that's what it is really with preaching, right? When I think about the times when I have to deliver a hard message, I I know that I want them to, it's it's funny, I want them to, to appreciate that I've given them a hard message. But I know that the reality is they just hate hearing the hard message. You have to choreograph this, this hard message. You actually want to do this in a way that is caring um, because it's about this bigger thing that we're doing. It's not about, you know, trying to get you to, it's not, it's not that personal, but it is personal. It's deeply personal, but it's this bigger thing that we're trying to do together. And I love the idea. I wish that we as Christians really did like that soft handshake thing is so beautiful. Like, can we just agree that we will do our damnedest to care for each other and know that I am in this because I love you. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, I mean, and it's to, to, to take it back to, you know, one of the most well-known wrestling stories in the Bible. Right. right? I was about yeah. to say oh, oh, I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. This was, this was, sorry, Liz, you know, you graduated the year ahead of us. This was yeah. one of the readings at our graduation from seminary. Uh, but that element of Jacob wrestling and mm-hmm. that 
in that wrestling, if you read it, that the divinity that he is wrestling with, the unknown man, the angel, the God, his own anxiety, whatever it is, it is choreographed charade in a certain extent. It is because the entity becomes concerned that the sun is rising and and God will be seen. And Mm -hmm. so we need to put this play act to an end. And so in that injuring of the hip, in that transformation, it ends the struggle. Yep, but that that Jacob in that is transformed. Yeah, he's changed forever. Yeah. The one, you know, the one who struggles, the one who struggles with, strives along with, uh, that we are all that, and and that that inside that it's a choreography. Of- I love it, Betsy. The idea of soft handshakes at general convention. Yes. All right. Because we're getting into the ring together. Yes. Spread the word, time for hostile takeover. I mean, peaceful. See that Gemini make over? But it ain't the twins blowing up the Range Rover. I will stay sober, wishing on a clover. Engaging the youth like I'm Fraggle Rock and Rover. Marge and Homer, I'm that socialite loner. Writing in the corner on my pocket PC as I hum. Let it all out through the thumb. Texting on the pad, I ain't having no fun. I want to run and I feel like the end has come. But before you agree, love, tell me why we all can't drum. Pound our way to freedom. You know, at one point I believed them that all was well. Then I felt the earth swell and I came back from hell. You can call me hell. So we tend to close out our shows with a staff pick from our host group. So, Greg, you have something for us this episode. What you got? Oh, do I have something for you? Keeping in the same vein as professional wrestling, where what's real isn't necessarily (laughs) what's on the screen. Um, I have started listening to a podcast called Meet My Friends, The Friends with Tom Sharpling. Okay. Oh, my God. This is the greatest podcast ever in the history of podcasts. Okay. So here's the deal with this podcast. It is a... If you know anything about the world of podcasting, you know that there exists this um, category of podcasts, which is the recap podcast, where someone goes back and watches a cult classic TV show or watches a current TV show and gives their thoughts and opinions on what it is. Well, this is a recap podcast about the show Friends, but it's a fake podcast. <laughs> it's it's actually a podcast about these two guys who are trying to produce a recap podcast of the TV show Friends, but they end up having all kinds of drama amongst themselves on the show. And so the show is actually about the drama of the two podcasters that are trying oh, to put on okay. the show. And it's rarely about friends. They don't, <laughs> they, they maybe occasionally talk about friends, but not really. And it is, it's hilarious. It's uh, hosted by a comedian named uh, Tom Sharpling, who also hosts a, another uh, show called The Best Show. If you listen to it, you'll start to think to yourself, why? Why am I listening to podcasts? Why don't I get on with my life and uh, and not listen to other people uh, talk about things that maybe don't matter so much? So, um, yeah, that's yeah, it's a, it's really great. Nice. All right. Well, thank you, Greg. Well, I gotta um, tell y'all, this was 
This is a really nice conversation and I am now completely psyched. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Pop and Collars. Uh, thanks, Liz, Greg, and Michelle for being here. You know, thanks to all of our listeners out there. Um, you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast needs met, uh, whether it's uh, on the app that I just looked up Greg's pick on or whether it's uh, online or wherever. Um, if you do listen, please rate and subscribe us. It helps other people to find us. If you think that what we're listening to is of value, it's always good to pass it on like the flame. So uh, I just, we're also on, uh, on Episcopal Cafe. Uh, we, that's where you can go to get all of your Episcopal news needs met during general convention, as well as all the other communications that diocese will be sending home to people to talk about it. Uh, but we love Episcopal Cafe, and we know that you will, too. You so, can buy T-shirts. Here. Um, we also have T-shirts available. Uh, if you'd like to T-shirts. Site. I am going to listen. and I will have buttons, pop and collars yep. buttons, available at General Convention. If Come you find, find us. Like the Easter egg in the convention center, we will give you pop and collars buttons. I'm just really intrigued to see if people will come and find us. Like I, just, I hope they will. Hope they Is will. there a booth for pop and collars? No, we well, can't afford that business. No. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we're, we're, uh, we're high rolling, but not that. <laughs> over here. It'll break out. It should be great. But uh, but we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Greg, thank you, Michelle, thank you, Liz, and everyone. Have a great night and keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. Thanks. <laughs>